Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamblett and Michael Sidgwick to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. Fighter Fest Night 2. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also Raw, SmackDown, NXT, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to Night 2 of Fighter Fest. And if Night 1's anything to go by, Sid, this is going to be a great show. Yeah, there should be a great show. I'm expecting it to be a great show, not primarily, but as a pretty big byproduct of a really, really, really hot crowd. There are a few matches set for tonight that I'm a tiny bit apprehensive about or maybe even a bit bored by, but generally it looks really strong. They're on white hot form. We saw last week that some of the good matches became awesome because of the crowd and I expect a, a similar crowd to erupt tonight. Yeah, form is the word for me. Um, I'm excited for AEW Dynamite without... It's great that they give you a card. It's fantastic that they treat this like a sporting event and you get the matches a week in advance or most of the show a week in advance. But I was just excited for AEW Dynamite. If anything, when we come to do these previews, it seems to be a case of extremes lately. There's just loads one week, like almost too much. And then there's another week, which I would say is the case with this week, where there's one or two pretty awesome things on top and then a potential like massive drop to the next lot of stuff. But we've got such tremendous faith in AEW, not least with the crowds, which is still something I forget once a week before I remember that it's crowds because I just feel like it was just June, just mucky old June like didn't like that wasn't into any of that but everything up to double nothing was class everything off the back of crap June was brilliant <laughs> and it just feels like it, honestly it does when a company feels like it can do no wrong and like Christ watch anything from the attitude era as evidence when a company feels like it can do no wrong even the little bad moments don't even matter so while some of the stuff maybe doesn't look as exciting as other weeks on paper they'll probably deliver on the night mm, two championship matches again tonight before we get to the AW women's world title fight though Sid, let's start with the texas death match john moxley against lance archer the iwgp us title how do you see this one going i see it going one way and one way only and that is in a successful john moxley title retain um however 
The thing about this match is, as we discussed on the review last week, Lance Archer's a Texas boy. So he's going to get an absolutely massive ovation. He's going to be received as a star if, in fact, he's not particularly been booked like one of late. And the idea is really inspired without burning through everything. And, you know, they've done such an absolutely miraculous job of me being able to say that for literally two years of this company's existence at this point. You know, without burning through everything, that's because they build things so goddamn well. But again, without burning through something upon like fresh, new, exciting, truly dramatic for the months to come, during which all going well, keep your fingers goddamn crossed, the novelty of full-time crowds wears off because fingers crossed, we've seen enough of them over the next however many months. So without burning through anything really fresh, with that in mind, we're getting a rematch of something we've seen in both AEW and something literal that we've seen in New Japan, of which this is a direct sequel with a pretty, pretty obvious outcome. But again, the heat is going to be off the charts. It's a violent, crowd-pleasing match. Lance Archer is so good that he can sometimes transcend that booking just because look at him and look at the cool stuff he can do. My only reservation is I just don't like last man standing matches. Not the biggest fan, and Texas Death in AEW in New Japan canon, weirdly, is a synonym for Last Man Standing. Um, not my favourite stip, but AEW, over the course of its young and quite incredible history, has made almost an art form out of reheating stipulations that have either been totally oversaturated or totally mishandled um, by WWE, to the point that when AEW does do a good WWE stipulation, they've often failed. They can do a better dog collar match than a ladder match, a better strap match than a ladder match, a better cage match than a ladder match. Hopefully this trends towards eh, a stipulation that has its inherent dramatic flaws, but because it's genuinely quite an intelligent company, Lance Archer looks demonstrably capable of ending and putting down John Moxley for the 10 count. Hopefully they can restore something that's really got a little bit boring over the last however many years. They might go full Texan synergy and do the big... Lance Archer has to look like a badass at some point before he's felled. Maybe he can do the sit-up spot after like two, having taken something ridiculous like a um, top row paradigm shift or whatever. There's scope in this match to make Archer look like a monster in defeat. They're intelligent enough to do it. The trick for me is actually making it feel earned. I just think this is really, really cool. All of this is really <laughs> cool. John Moxley comprehensively ultimately lost his program with Kenny Omega and was as good as out of the title picture as a result in a way that didn't make it feel like he'd be betraying his character to keep going back to that well, you know, to keep whinging for title shots or however it was they were going to get him there. So in he goes to the tag division and the same thing happens again with Eddie Kingston and the Young Bucks, but he's still got the United States title. And they allow you to forget that in order to be able to present him as a top star, as a top line champion. The second he appears back on television and Lance Archer, someone who, let's be honest, after the Miro match, we were almost counting down the days on his contract. It was feeling like there was nothing that could be done to really salvage the Lance Archer character for all the reasons we've gone into detail on before. 
And yet John Moxley puts him over in a promo and they've sold you on a fight. They've sold you on a Texas death match and Lance Archer's credible again, if only for one night. And what a night it's going to be in front of his crowd, in front of an audience that are going to, that are going to roar for him as much as they're going to roar for John Moxley. Let's be honest. I can't see there really being an out and out heel unless John Moxley chooses to go that way. And even then, I'm not even sure the fans would be cooperative enough to go along with it. It's just too goddamn lovable. It's just really really cool and like last man standing matches aren't so it's one versus another it's just how awesome all of this is versus one stipulation that's kind of been just like dragged through the mud over the last like 10 plus years i think they can do it i have faith that this will be just like hog wild like you just like you picture this match and it's just chaos there's not one specific spot you picture there's just a a vibe and a feeling of chaos. I think they'll do it. I think they'll manage it. Um, and I think it'll be just one of the highlights of the show. The result, I agree with Cedric, doesn't feel remotely in doubt. I would love to think that there's a way to spin this into something more. Um, I could actually see them tagging together. I could actually see some sort of forbidden door tag stuff where Moxley and Archer are, uh, as a team, against a possible incoming New Japan threat as a tag team or even somebody with an AEW, but I kind of feel like they end on the same page. Like you see them sharing a whiskey, nursing each other's cuts next week when they're both still picking the glass out of their heads or something. Um, yeah. Like I think they'll work around some difficulties and this will just be like hot stuff on a, a hot show. Before we move on, sorry, Wilborn. Crowds are very much into interacting, not only because it's, well, it's, not, it's America, so it's obviously not the first time they've been out of the house since March 2020. But you know what I mean? It's the first time they've been in this environment um, since March 2020. They are on fire. They are soundtracking a product that is on fire. Maybe they'll do the counts for the last man standing gimmick very loudly to the point where it doesn't feel like an interruption to the drama like a last man standing match can. I don't know where I got carried away watching Road 2 or something like that. I can see the title being switched here, you know. It just feels like a, a place where you can do a shock title change and re-establish Lance Archer all in one night. And, and obviously, I don't know what, you know, what that would do for Moxley. I feel like he's Teflon to, to any sort of defeat anyway. I'm not saying that you should beat him loads, but maybe he wants to go and be daddy again for a bit. I don't know, but I, I could easily see them doing something like that. And it's not like they, they've not got enough on their plate as we head towards All Out. But yeah, yeah I don't there, know. Are, there are political considerations. It's a New Japan governed title. And if you're New Japan, looking at how cursed that promotion is in terms of this ridiculously bungled, cursed new IW World, IWGP World Heavyweight title lineage and the fact that Osprey is one of your top foreign stars um, isn't there anymore for the foreseeable. I just think there are too many political considerations in addition to the way both of these characters have been presented on AEW TV. Sorry to piss in your chips, Wilbur. That's fine. I, 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 like I say, I, had you asked me an hour ago, I'd have said, yeah, obviously Moxley retains. But I just, you know, I just got a nice sensation from the road too. And uh, yeah, I feel like Lance Archer deserves a bit of a dub sometimes. One more thing, actually, I know I'm talking a lot, but Lance Archer tweeted not too long ago. This was after, I think, the announcement or in and around the announcement that they were going to return to live crowds. That just he tweeted something to the effect of just heard some great news, very happy to work for AEW. It's like, what was that? 
You get a big match in Texas or you get a nice big title in Texas. Who the hell knows? Maybe that'll add a little wrinkle of drama for our listeners. What a service we provide. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the other title match, Hamlet, then. Uh, Nyla Rose challenging Britt Baker, DMD. Who leaves as AEW Women's World Champion for you? Britt Baker, Christ. Um, not the best story, let's be honest. Not the best start to Britt Baker's life as AEW Women's Champion and indeed this current run of women's wrestling in AEW. Um, seems like the better stuff's been happening away from the belt, which is unbelievable, really, considering where we were at, heading into double or nothing. All of that said, uh, Britt Baker cut a money promo last week that was a reminder when one was desperately needed that regardless of who she's feuding with and who she's fighting with, um, she absolutely lives up to the self-made Steve Austin comparisons. She <laughs> shot for the moon. She shot for the moon when she made that reference and she lived up to it last week. It totally echoed to me that era of Steve Austin um, not really having an opponent and they were still figuring out that it was Vince. Vince was the guy and Vince just needed a guy once a month to fight Steve Austin. And it never mattered because Austin was the over guy. Britt Baker is the over world champion and thus the division is over kind of underneath her. Um, as a result, I think this match will be heated. We've got mixed evidence on the quality. I think it's it's going to be like whether or not they all leave it in the ring on the night. There's been some good, some bad in the Britt Baker, Nyla Rose past. Um, so it's really hard to assess the quality because I don't think the story's been too good. And I still don't know if AEW have got a handle on Britt Baker's in-ring in terms of whether she's a babyface or a heel. I wasn't terribly encouraged by that tag match the other week where she was kind of happy to... Fans were just with her, like, un, like unapologetically with her. And yet the kind of gag was she was constantly going to feed Reba not Rebel, Rebel not Reba to the Wolves and kind of like dodge the action on the outside. Um, I'm, that's kind of what I'm going to be watching for tonight. Because the result's not in doubt and the quality is sort of unknown, I'm curious to see how this match is agented and how Britt Baker does the little things because I think it's time to continue tweaking the in-ring to service her as a babyface. The promo did that last week, and I think the in-ring should start doing the same. I think it'll, like, neaten up um, a, a couple of little, like, loose edges, uh, like, you know, like with this character they've got at the moment. Because otherwise, she's amazing. She's money. And I just, I don't know, I think, like, it's it's more of a um, work in progress, Britt Baker, Women's Champion, and I imagined it would be. But I've got faith in the work and the process, so I think it'll be all right. Yeah, this is what I was alluding to in the intro. I'm a bit apprehensive about the quality of this match. They had a match in the world title eliminator that I thought was very, very, very good and possibly overshadowed by the result. I think many people expected Baker to go over. I didn't think that would be the case um, purely because the Japanese contingent I felt was there for a reason and it was too close for Baker to lose a final. Um, so that was good. So that's encouraging. Sheeta versus Baker at double or nothing was good, very good by the end. Really sloppy and like plagued by miscommunication issues um, for most of a pretty overlong duration. But the last three minutes were electrifying. Like Baker's really intelligent. I've got no doubt whatsoever that this match will be laid out very well. Um, so it's just whether they can stick the landing. And there's a little bit of pressure here because people have remembered that just enough match at double or nothing. People have remembered the cheeseburger patter, which was absolutely horrendous. And uh, people are going to, in that arena, pr presumably go wild because Baker's so over. 
but you have to maintain that reaction in the match itself. But again, it's another um, illustration of what you've got when you've got a monster horse character in the moment through their sheer size and how they can carry that size. They can get over monster horse characters as a total threat in that moment. And it's a case of whether Nyla rules, whether she can do that tonight. Um, For various reasons, I'd really like this to go on first. Mm. It's very similar in terms of how it's, how the dynamic is arranged with the US title match later on. It can't follow that because it's going to be an absolutely insane plunder brawl, one would presume. And because the similarities in terms of the match structure, you don't want them too close together. Hmm. Um, I would put this first, not put that. They might be tempted to put it in the penultimate quarter hour to try and go for that all night long, proper loud reaction because otherwise people might just wait for the main event. But you know what? Don't do that. Hmm. Put them in that slot, put them in the work rate opener. Let's get the crowd going. Absolutely insane spot, proper show of faith. And it's a star spot as well. Young Bucks have taken it on as their own. Um, Kenny Omega's worked several matches in it. Like, come on, this is a... I get an indication when I watch the first match of an AEW Dynamite show. The people in this match are stars, and they are trusted stars. I would love that to be reflected um, in the women's division booking and this to go on first. Well, that's a hell of a shout, and I think we're all in agreement that Britt Baker retains the AEW Women's World title. From the women's title to the men's, Sige, uh, nothing advertised for this, but as you alluded to in our pre-recording chat, no doubt it'll go out uh, in about five minutes after this podcast is released. So uh, do you sense more developments tonight around the, the Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, Elite Dark Order uh, match that's seemingly on the horizon tonight? I don't want to talk too much about it, because if it gets announced this week for next that preview, Jesus Christ, it's going to be four hours long. <laughs> but I would like some kind of small match graphic announcement in that wonderful penultimate quarter hour bit um, for the 10-man to go ahead in North Carolina. Like, Hangman Page was born near there. It's AEW's um, strongest market in terms of TV ratings. More to the point, um, it was alluded to on Road Rager that Kenny Omega needed a match. One of these, I was contractually obligated to do a match at a certain point and gimmicks, and that was alluded to being at Fight for the Fallen. So unless they do one of the TV defences, they've outright said Kenny Omega needs a match for Fight for the Fallen. So unless he's doing a TV uh, title defence on telly, it's going to be the 10-man. Have they announced anything? They haven't announced anything yet for Fight for the Fallen, have they? No, they haven't. And if they announce this, I want three other matches at like a maximum. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to like half an hour um, for reasons we will go into next week in the event. So with that in mind... Or more than likely on a Sunday podcast where we can give it the time it deserves. Absolutely. They can, um, they can shoot something to build to it, of course. And it's one of those things that I remember when the first two Dynamites ever happened, right? They did these two absolutely incredible show clothes and brawls. And... At the end of the second one, as amazing as it was, remember that MGF slowly drawing the chair towards Cody, generating that, and then he just went past, he just hovered for a beautiful moment <laughs> and then just went hitting someone from um, the inner circle. At the end of that, people were going, oh, yeah, cracking second successive brawl. Maybe don't do that again next week. I'm thinking, why? The class? <laughs> so maybe they'll do a third one and I'll have no complaints, but it doesn't really feel like they're a more... It feels like they'll build it in a more subtle, different way, possibly backstage. But they've got 
the big ratings hitters and Jericho and Mox and Derby on this show. So maybe they don't really think, having already done two in successive weeks, that a big angle's necessary. Yeah, and yeah, not against it, you know. Um, last week was tough to follow. So give people 14 days of anticipation is not the worst idea. That, that was amazing. Like an all-timer home run dynamite segment, pro wrestling segment. Um, and people were like, desperate desperate for more and so often if you do a sort of scaled down version of that people can tell that you're just trying to rebadge the magic while you wait for the stipulation so i on a like when we've talked previously as well about dynamite almost having too much for their own good until rampage finally starts this would be a nice week to show a bit of discipline maybe have hangman page or kenny omega feature in a short burst but certainly i could live without something this week that'll only be compared to last uh, and talking about fallout from, from last week, do you expect us to hear or see anything from Cody Rhodes or Malachi Black this week, Hamlet? Well, I'd sort of like lump that in with the same thing as the Page and Omega. I, I didn't yeah. think we'd get anything last week. I thought it was quite impressive, not only for them to uh, double down on that, but to then improve upon it. I think they really smartly managed to heighten the anticipation for that match after like what was already a pretty strong debut for Malachi Black. Um, so I feel like, it's just a repeated take, but it strikes me that this week it'll be like, that'll get the video package treatment or that'll like Malachi Black will get promo time, which is, mm, but you know, um, uh, but I trust them and I trust it. Cody was excellent last week. Really, really good. Um, Bing you looking good. Uh, the pull apart brawl was great, but he cares not that anymore. Um, <laughs> you know, like, look, I he did look like the Colonel, but like otherwise, like the program is really strong. Um, I, I don't think it needs. It's going to all out, isn't it? So they've kind of got to be. Um, I, I assume it's going to all out. It feels perfect. What's nice about all this, even if there's not an interaction between Cody and Malachi Black, is. You know, as somebody that I feel like I've always been fairly honest and upfront about my feelings about Cody for better and worse, regardless of what you think of him, I'd much rather he be doing something that feels like it matters. And because his head went in about 12 different directions, it felt like none of it did for the longest time. And it's nice to feel like he's in something that actually matters again. So even if they don't go like, even if they don't go hard on this program this week, I still think it'll feel like a significant portion of Dynamite. Here's the thing about this one. It's strange because... With the Elite versus Dark Order segment from last week, there wasn't this sense of unbridled, uncontrollable, get security out, these guys must be separated. It was a, despite a brawl, there was still a veneer of sportsmanship and they presented it in a way that the emotions hadn't been so heightened that will happen deeper into the all-out build, one presumes. Whereas with Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes, the idea is, they absolutely can't wait to get their hands on each other, or at least Cody Rhodes can't wait to get his hands on Malachi Black. He's kicked his old man mate in the face. He's he's, dis, he's disrupted the broadcast. The sanctity of the idea that this is a broadcast last week just to get his hands on Malachi Black. So I probably got to maintain that thread of logic in some way, which a video package or an inset pre-tape doesn't really... Do so. I'm interested in how they actually handle this because it invites a plot hole if, in fact, it's going all the way to all out. Given how they've arranged the beats of this story, I'm thinking it's going on TV, but we'll see. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, let's look ahead to some of the other matches advertised for tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. Sid, love to know your thoughts on Orange Cassidy versus The Blade. It's going to be a three, three and a quarter to a half star range match that isn't going to be blow away awesome it's not going to crack the upper echelon of great dynamite tv matches but it's going to be the first orange cassidy singles match in front of a full packed in live crowd since revolution 2020 and look how over that was basically what i'm getting is that it's going to be a predictable win people are in love with this man this character this act the blade can go so it will be good. It's just going to be feel good, white hot, incredibly loud pro wrestling TV. And I'm going to say nothing more than that, but is there anything more you want than that? Um, interested in where Casty goes in terms of a program heading towards All Out because he deserves one. He's a draw. He's super popular. Like incredibly talented bloke. Um, so I don't know where this goes next. I just hope it doesn't go anywhere near Matt Hardy. <laughs> I, I hate to be shocking, but like... And it's one of those things where Matt Hardy, eventually, if like Matt Hardy does like four or five more things, like the Darby Allen and Christian Cage stuff, I'll be all right. Okay, he is actually pretty damn good and valuable. <laughs> but until then, he has to do four more things. The labors of Hardy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I agree with Cedric about the just the joy around Orange Cassidy and how nice that'll be as a viewing experience. Um, I, I think it's disguising the fact that they don't always know what they're doing with him. Quite honestly, I felt that like in the it was. It was reasonable in the um, empty arena, Daly's Place era, to kind of not know quite where you stood with Orange Cassidy, because I think he did suffer the lack of a crowd. And I don't think the Chris Jericho rivalry made him in the way that maybe some Chris would have Jericho. <laughs> In the way that Chris Jericho would have expected. <laughs> uh, like, it just didn't make him. It didn't. It wasn't what I think most people involved thought that would be. Um, and I actually would say I, all the fun will be very, very fun. But it is like it's such a minor concern as well. But it's a minor concern to me that Orange Cassidy is feeling a little bit like um, I don't know, like New Age Outlaws opening a house show in 1999. 
like it's going to be white hot, but you don't need to care what they're up to. Like he's, I think he's better than that. And I think we, I think going back to Revolution twenty twenty, what you got wasn't just a feeling of oh my god, this is fun. It's like oh my god, this is a guy who could put a world title on this guy. Like look at where wrestling is. Like this guy can win a world title. I'd like him to feel significant again. Um, the the um, number one contenders match, obviously that led to the triple threat. That felt like it came out of nowhere. It didn't feel like Orange Cassidy was booked into that slot. It was almost like a convenience of the rankings that he was where he was. I'd like to see a storyline that projects him back there, not pissing about with like the hardest, or even to be honest, pissing about with the best friends. Like they should be his his mates, not the guys that he's regularly teaming with in mid card matches. Sorry, Wilborn, now you're about to say something, being the host of the podcast and all. But unless they do the trios, which I know Trent's injured, but Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Wheeler Utah could be the trio in Trent's absence. That's a direction that they really could just announce next week and it changes everything. Your yeah. um, opinions on where these characters are going or whatever. They've been leaning into the fact that Miro used to be a gamer. He has redeemed himself from that gimmick. Maybe the direction is Orange Cassidy versus Miro in a singles and Miro's absolute fury that I'm done with you. I'm done with everything that was to do with me when you were in my sphere. Maybe that's the direction. You literally took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was about to ask you surrounding the TNT champion, because I think he could be a perfect all-out opponent for, for Miro, as you say. And it feels like, to book a spot in this match, the orange punch with the, with the, with the brass knocks that the Blade's been using feels like an open goal, doesn't it? Yeah, that's why the brass knocks are there. <laughs> um, right let's talk about Frankie Kazarian versus Doc Gallows uh, he's the elite hunter I do like this as a storyline Hamlet and then this is the first step on that road I suppose yeah I sort of love this you know um, Doc Gallows plays to my adoration of Kevin Nash because that guy is getting paid by about six wrestling promoters at the moment <laughs> and has barely had to lift a finger in the ring for the better part of five years to earn that sweet money from pro wrestling so i've got a lot of time for the way doc gallows does his business however this is aw dynamite and there are basement level expectations for a quality of a match and kaz shouldn't be expected to do like all the heavy lifting himself um maybe much like what was happening with ftr at points maybe doc gallows will feel a little bit needled by his partner's efforts last week and they've had this little laugh backstage where are like, all right, fine, we'll go. Once every, like, two and a half years, we'll both just really go, and that'll buy us our next five years of pissing <laughs> about and, and milk in this industry. And I say this with a beaming smile on my face. Like, I love that they do it. Um, but there are expectations. I'd like, this can't stink is ultimately what I'm saying. Uh, Kaz the Elite Hunter is a serious deal, and it's a potential major money-drawing angle, or at the very least, like, an awesome match with Kenny Omega at the end of all this. Um, so for Kazarian's sake, this like this can't reek. So I hope like I hope like Gallows puts a shift in. Like then go back to impact and do what you like, mate. Or like where the funniest clothes you can find for walking out with the young books on a dynamite. Do all of that. I'm here for it. Um, the Steve Austin interview one day is going to be hilarious. Uh, not least if he just works it with Austin's impression the entire time. But uh, like if you've Got any working boots kicking around in that bag that you travel around with? Stick them on tonight for Kaz's sake because the angle needs it. It does got to get a little bit serious. I love Doc Gallows for entirely different reasons. I think he's incredibly entertaining. He's piss funny, right? 
And Doc Gallows, and I know he's sharing a ring in these matches with Phoenix and Pac and Kenny Omega. <laughs> he's worked some like four-star trios and he's done his bit. There's an idea of Doc Gallows and it kind of annoys me a little bit because I'm thinking he's got a hard body, right? So I'm thinking, <laughs> I look at Doc Gallows, right? There's an idea that this is big, fat bastard just hanging out like the back of the elite's truck, like this out-of-puff guy who can't do anything, but he's a boy popper, so they give him a gig because he's just fun to be around. Like, the guy's in shape. Yeah. Like, the guy's yeah. in shape, right? He's put a shift in, a small one, but a shift in the <laughs> matches. And I honestly think, like, this could be good. I genuinely mm. like Doc Gallows. And I just... Oh. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, I'd love Gallows like to like do an interview or something where he claims ownership of those four-star matches. But like how like Lars Sullivan was in that five-star ladder yeah. match. Next day, so it's like, yeah, I got myself a five-star. Like Gallows just be like, yeah, just call me four-star Gallows from the MC Arena Daily's Place era. I'd love him to just own that himself. Like it's it's all perfect contrast to Kenny being like the seven-star wrestler. Gallows is the four, and he won't even mention that Phoenix was there or back or whatever. <laughs> Honestly, like, I just think it's class. I want him to do... There was a report, right, when they did the four-man. It was Good Brothers and Bucks when they were still doing the whole do we know we're friends or not stuff versus four of the Dark Order. And um, it was on a pre-taped Dynamite back in Daly's place. And apparently they had to cut four minutes out of it because, to quote or paraphrase Dave Meltzer, they were just doing loads of, like, jerk-off stuff and pot stuff. Yeah. So they're, like, walking around the dark, dark order, calling them jerk-offs, doing the wanker hand sign, like, <laughs> pretending to smoke imaginary spliffs and, like, stubbing them out on the ring, and apparently they were just absolutely going full ham. More of that, that TNT would like during the heat spots, like, lick the biceps, like, just be this horrible bastard that you are, like, Burp in Kazarian's face, and that can be the fire up spot. Like, be horrible, Doc Gallows, build the heat, and then bump about a bit and bring down the house. I believe in you, Doc. You're a great, funny bloke. Yeah, I, yeah. The more we talk about that match, the more I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, Frankie Kazarian gets the victory, but uh, yeah, that could be a, a, a much needed boy popper uh, in amongst uh, some of these matches. Uh, it'd be fair to say, Sidge, that off the back of last week, Job Darby Allen could justify a few weeks off, not only winning the coffin match, but then sealing it with a coffin drop onto a coffin that was uh, contained one Ethan Page. Instead, he's back in action again tonight against Wheeler Utah. Um, and uh, yeah, he just doesn't stop, does he? He doesn't stop. Maybe he should stop for at least a week. Um, I don't know what to make of this at all. It's weird because like Darby's at this point, what an absolute glowing appraisal this is of AEW's booking is almost Teflon. Like he could go 10 like ridiculously breakneck, proper exhilarating minutes with Wheeler Utah, who went what four minutes with Guevara. And like people won't think, all right, okay, well, that was too long. Because Darby Allen in the match will bang and he's Teflon. And if anything, he's now in a role where he's occupied the role that Cody played for him, where he can now establish as a star, elevate the younger talent by going along with them. When people thought, oh, you're going along with him. It's like, well, I, because that's how talented he is. I think there's going to be an angle at the end of this. It's not like a reheat job, right? Okay, he lost his thing, but he's still a star. So let's get him to beat some guy um, who's an emerging talent or whatever. Like, 
I think his next program is going to yeah. be revealed here. As for that person, I don't know. Like he wins a lot, does Derby. Like he's probably going to get back in the rankings. And he's, there's as much chance, or if not more, of Derby going after Miro, having won here and buttressed his record. Who's the heel though? Who's the who's Derby's heel? Like his natural heel opponent for a pay per view. Ooh, QT Marshall. QT Marshall. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to think who it would be. Is it not- you talk? I'll go on allelitewrestling.com. The only person who does this. It's not maintained. It's not <laughs> as like Scorpio Sky because that would be a, a great match. But obviously they've done a lot. They've done it. They've done yeah. the singles. They've half, started half the storyline. So I don't want to see that again. To be honest. What if um, what you remember last week when Cody said, "How dare you kick the head of a 62-year-old man?" What if Malachi Black kicks the head of Sting, and he's simultaneously running programs with Darby and Cody, mm. and they've always been like each other's sort of, they've always been each other's kind of like still points in their turning world, and Malachi Ooh, like Black's that. like, like pying off like Cody, you know? Because they teamed up against um, Butcher and the Blade to bring their alliance together. They did the Team Taz stuff together as well. And mm. remember when uh, Taz t- choked out Cody? <laughs> Class. <laughs> That's a good shout, actually. I'll be happy with that. I like that. Because Cody's going to film the Go Big Big Show soon. Mm. So it gives so Malachi Black two directions because you've got so many shows as well. So having two rivals is not an issue for someone like Malachi Black. Yeah, not at all. That's a good shout. I like it. Uh, you mentioned very briefly there Team Taz. Hamlet, any developments with that and uh, Brian Cage this week? Um, I'd like to think not because I think the um, the shelf life is fairly short on Brian Cage as like a white hot babyface. I like, I like Brian Cage a lot and I think he's going to work in the short term as a babyface but I'm not quite sure long term how much they're going to get out of him so you probably want to keep this hot for as long as possible because they're going to want to get a at least one pay-per-view match out of it they're going to want to you'd assume they're going to want to get this to all out Brian Cage versus somebody um, within Team Taz or maybe he has to run the gauntlet or whatever however they're going to do it you feel like they're going to want to get at least one pay-per-view cycle out of this so I would rather have a vignette where you get Team Taz celebrating um Ricky Starks becoming the true front man of this group, um, getting to be like the kind of the, the figure we've all wanted him to be for the better part of a year, I guess. He's got a belt. He's fully fit. He can talk. He looks amazing. Hook's going to be there. Like, I, I just, I don't think a vignette like that fails when it comes to like, compared to like what we used to do with championship celebrations or the, the, the inner circle pinnacle synonym generator. I've kind of got faith in Team Taz being able to do something like this right. What about what about this, Sige? Uh, instead of like a you know usual championship celebration of just them sitting about backstage or them partying or whatever, what if I don't know why this popped in my head? It's probably my obsession with Ricky Starks. What if either A they get a statue made of Ricky Starks doing his little pose that he does, or <laughs> another option probably won't do this, but a life drawing class with Ricky Starks completely bollock naked except for the title covering his junk <laughs> as Hunk and uh, Hook and Taz I say Hunk because I'm talking about Ricky Starks Hook, Taz and House Hobbs and a little sketch no I don't know why that would ever happen if I'm being honest not that I don't want to see it yes yeah, Taz Taz won't go in but he's sat in the car waiting to pick him up and he's just vibing they <laughs> can, yeah. can all vibe in the car with the oh, yes. dash. they can all vibe on the car with the title and the dash yes yeah. 
Nah, I want to keep that. That's good. That'll yeah. get numbers. Like a, just thirty seconds long, no dialogue. That's the whole segment. <laughs> Tony Schiavone's like, we're going to catch up with Team Taz after last week's win. Just that. No words. I no, no love. more words. No more words. <laughs> I also love when heels are so full of that you can almost not comprehend that they have the actual balls to say the things that they do. To my favorite heel tropes, like the young books, like saying that they're tough. For the like the mean streets of Raku, uh, Rancho Cucamonga, California. <laughs> like, what if Technique Bag Tires were Brian Cage? Yeah, he's rubbish. It's like, he was your mate, he was like your man <laughs> for like over his hair. It's like, ah, he's rubbish all along. Yeah, but proof. But I would, I would, the Christian Technique Bag Tires thing so incredible that I'd say <laughs> that has to be a runner at this point. It's, it has to be a running gag. It's too good. It feels, it feels like very low-hanging fruit, but I love your booking of them vibing in the car. But instead of just them showing that, our best is there. Hello, knocking on the window, completely getting blanked by all of them. Uh, right, let's talk about uh, the first and possibly only labour of Jericho tonight, Michael Sidrick. It's been described as chapter one. He faces Sean Spears in a match where Sean Spears can use a chair but Chris Jericho cannot. Can Chris Jericho defy the odds? Of course he can, Sige. Yeah, of course he can. <laughs> I mean, he can. He can, and he will. And hopefully it will be entertaining. Um, this is Chris Jericho's first match in front of a full crowd since Revolution 2020. He's not worked a match since returning to the road. He did all of one spot. And it was a fun spot at double or nothing. Like... These people love Chris Jericho. This is going to be extremely over. Chris Jericho is a very smart pro wrestler who, despite his advancing years, this is really quite a perfect stipulation. The idea is that you're going to generate from this raucous Texan crowd loads of oohs and ahs whenever that chair is swung so much more, with so much more force when it misses than it will be when it hits. That's the gimmick. You want to create the idea that it's going to come off. His head's going to come off <laughs> if he does not duck at the right time. So you've got an inbuilt dramatic device. You've got a super over main event star who this crowd is in love with. You've got so many hope spots. Then you've got the cutoff, which is going to be very violent. You are going to see some chair shots. The idea is they are going to create the idea that Chris Jericho can't overcome it. And in the end, you're going to see The Rock. You're going to see Sean Spears. I don't think anyone's ever in the history of time <laughs> has done that. But you're going to see Sean Spears do The Rock spot, wherein he goes full-on chair shot to the head mode. Chris Jericho ducks. Chair comes off the top rope, twats Sean Spears <laughs> in the head. And then instead of rolling them up, he goes into the walls. I, I wouldn't complain at any of that. I hope... They follow the pattern like laid out by Christian and Matt Hardy last week to not go any longer than necessary as well. What was so welcoming about like how enjoyable that match was is that it didn't feel like it was taking up your time on Dynamite. Like at no point particularly that I think, oh, this is just falling into a well now. And hopefully that won't happen with Jericho and Spears. I hope like there's no sort of vanity at play here and they make this any more than it needs to be. You can wrap pretty much everything Sidrich just said in like 10 to 12 minutes and everyone can like escape unscathed. I'm interested. They'll do it. They'll manage it. I'm interested in how um, like Jericho passes all of these and yet it doesn't sort of tacitly bury MJF's attempts. 
you know I mean? It's almost like saying by sort of making Sean Spears the first trial, you kind of backhandedly saying, ah, oh, you'll get over him, no bother, but I got four more. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sean Spears. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, like, it's only, I'm looking to tie you out, but I expect you to complete the race. Like, I just, that is a, they'll get through it, they will. But I think that's like an interesting challenge they'll they'll face so that because you can't just have him run through pinnacle members like that. Otherwise, you end up kind of burying every member of the pinnacle one by one. This week, it's got to be Sean Spears and he can use the chair. But like next week, is it like Sean Spears and FTR? And yet again, Sean Spears is to blame. And then that becomes an angle within this angle or something like that. Like, I'm just curious as to how they work through this without burying the trial that came before it or indeed burying MJF as not being the mastermind he believes himself to be because... Jericho's got to win like four or five times here just to get a single match and odds are he's going to do it. Like I actually think he'll stumble at the final trial and that'll be this clever detail. They rip it away at the last minute. Um, but I, like, I'm interested to see, I don't think we'll get the necessary reveal of what the next trial is, but I just think that's going to be an, like an interesting wrinkle to all of this because we are all going to week after, if they are like this week after week, we're going to predict, Oh yeah, Jericho wins on to the next one. Mm. It's not really going to feel like this assault course that he's got to get through. But regardless, in regards to my question, yes, you can defy the odds because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. otherwise if this is chapter one. It's going to be a very short book, uh, The Labours of Jericho. But we look forward to it nonetheless. Let us know your thoughts ahead of Fighter Fest Night 2 on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, where we get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts. Our NXT review is available right now, and our review of this show will be available there tomorrow. So make sure you subscribe so you get that straight away as soon as it is released. Uh, but for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.